Lord, we declare that today, that we need you. There's no way we can make it in this life on our own, God. We need your hand of provision. We need your hand of protection. And Lord, help us to believe that you are faithful in every circumstance, God. Help us to focus on you alone today, your word today. May it move in power. May it convict us. May it challenge us. May it change us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Demas and what Jesus has to say about being born again. John chapter 3. Thank you. Verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So let's look in verse 1 and 2 and, and think about the faith, the awareness, the understanding that Nicodemus had. Nicodemus went to the right person. He went to Jesus. Nicodemus went at night because he didn't want anybody to see him, and that's a good picture of religion. Religion just has a real difficult time going public. And so he went to him at night uh, so that no one would know that he was in conversation with Jesus. And he had a high regard for Jesus. He says, Rabbi, that's the term of teacher. He says, teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For the only way that we can explain that these signs that you do is because God is with them. And so he had a high regard for Jesus. He believed that Jesus was sent from God. He believed that Jesus was in partnership with the Lord's work. And he was, he was a high esteemed rabbi. And so he had a high regard for Christ. Now, the faith that he has here, the understanding that he has, the, the, uh, the confession of his understanding of Jesus at that point, we would all hold in high regard. Someone that has that is, is someone that went to church, someone that probably read the scriptures, someone that had good morality, that was upstanding, and probably an honorable man, noble in heart. But in verse 3, Jesus answers Nicodemus' question before Nicodemus even asked a question. And Jesus answered him, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus understood that the question that Nicodemus had was, how do you see the kingdom of God? How do you enter the kingdom of God? How do you make everything right between man and God? And Jesus said that I say to you, truly, truly, that means that I'm not lying to you, you can count on this, you better pay attention to this, verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is in the imperative tense. He's saying you must be born again. There's no way around it. Now, George Whitfield was a preacher in the Second Great Awakening, and he preached John chapter 3 over and over and over. And people would go hear him, and night after night, he would preach, you must be born again. And he was asked, why in the world did you preach, you must be born again so much? And his, his straightforward answer to that question was, because you must be born again. 
You see, the most important thing for any of us here today is you must be born again. It's in the imperative. You must be born again. It doesn't matter about your baptism. It doesn't matter about how moral you are. It doesn't matter about your Bible knowledge. It doesn't matter about who you were born to. It doesn't matter about your DNA, your bloodline, or any of those things. None of those things matter. What matters is that you have been born again. And when your life comes to an end, the most important question, the most important issue that is, is part of your life is, have you been born again? You need to be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again, or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And it's one of the, the, the most helpful things that you can do for your family when you're gone, that they have, without any reservation, there is no hesitation in their lives. They know for sure that you were born again. It will give them a comfort that only God can give. And you provide that comfort by choosing to be born again, to believe in Christ. And that's obviously what's missing from Nicodemus's life. Nicodemus was not born again at this point. Nicodemus, although he was a Pentateuch scholar... He understood Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He had it down most likely uh, in order to become a Pharisee and to be, have that high distinction and be a ruler of the Pharisees, most likely he had it pretty much memorized. He knew what the Scripture said. He knew what those first five books had to say. But Nicodemus, Nicodemus is, is he has a failure to connect the dots. There was a communication problem, a failure to connect the dots. Turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, one of the first five books, one of the five books of Moses. And one of the interesting things that perhaps we have trouble connecting dots with is that the gospel is in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. In the same way that you're saved today, looking forward to the coming of Christ, looking back to the cross of Jesus, you were saved in the Old Testament the exact same way we're saved now. You were saved in the Old Testament, you were born again in the Old Testament, just like you're born again now. But obviously, Nicodemus, with all that knowledge, with all that awareness, with that understanding of the first five books, he was not able to connect the dots. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Just one of the places that we could, we could speak about today. Verse 1, And when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. So they're about to go into the land that flows with milk and honey, and he's, he's laying down for them the, the, the fine print of the relationship that he has with them. This is the way our relationship is going to go. He's defining the relationship. And he says in verse 2, And return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey His voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and He will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. That grace has been poured out on the Israelite people time and time and time again. They understood that grace. 
They understood that when they went wayward, they understood when they drifted, when they understood when they got off course and their heart was not where it needed to be, that if they would return, they would return to the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the rest restoration that God would provide. Verse 4, If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there He will take you. So there's no boundary, there's no limit to the reach and the grace of God. Now, verse 5, And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And verse 6, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That's being born again. That's having a new heart. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6 is saying the exact same thing that Jesus had to say in John chapter 3 verse 3. You must be born again. You must receive a new heart. You must experience the circumcision of the heart. Now, circumcision is very much misunderstood. Circumcision was a symbol of the new heart. Circumcision was a mark that someone was in Christ. Someone was in faith. They had received a new heart. But the idea of the circumcision of the heart is that the, the, uh, the sin of the soul the sin of the moral being, the sin of the heart, has been removed. And the reason why the sin is removed so that you have the opportunity to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, so that you may live. So the scripture here says that the reason why you don't love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind is because you've not been born again. The reason why you do not love God with all of your heart, with all of your being, is because your heart has not been circumcised. You have not received a new heart. That's why it's so important that someone be born again. Because unless you're born again, you can't love God with all your heart. Because of sin. Because of your nature. Because you have not received the deposit of the Holy Spirit that enables you to love God with all of your heart. And so the, sex, the exact same thing that Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Moses is telling the Israelites here, you must be born again. Nicodemus wasn't able to connect those dots. And he says that your heart is circumcised not only so you can love God, but also so you can pass it down. That example, that testimony of a spiritual life, of a new heart, you can pass that new heart testimony down. Now, Grandpa George passed away, right? What do you know about Grandpa George? Well, he wasn't perfect, all right? He didn't have everything all together, all right? But let me tell you something about Grandpa George. Grandpa George love God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his being. So his heart had been circumcised. He was a believer in God. 
and the evidence is crystal clear in his life. So back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So Nicodemus, you must be born again. Imperative, imperative tense. You must be born again. Nicodemus in verse 4 said to him, Now can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's a common sense question, isn't it? It's overwhelming to consider this. This idea is brand new to Nicodemus. Nicodemus had never experienced anyone going back into the mother's womb and, and, and being born again. So what are you really talking about here, Lord Jesus? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is not talking about baptism. This is not talking about anything other than in, in, in the chain of interpretation here. He's talking about physical birth and then spiritual birth. You must be born again. It's a spiritual birth. And truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, you know, the lady's water breaks, there's birth. That's what that's referencing. And the spirit. So we're born physically, and then later when we are convicted of our sin, our heart is pierced, and, and we believe in God, then we're born again. We receive a new heart. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He goes on in verse 6 to further explain it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That verse 6 is just as simple as what the kind of seed you put in the ground, that's what you're going to harvest. I mean, if you put a tomato seed in the ground, you're going to get a tomato. If you put uh, a zucchini seed in the ground, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get zucchini. That's what you're going to get. You plant of the Spirit, you reap of the Spirit. You plant of the flesh, you reap of the flesh. That's what Galatians teaches us. And so it's very crystal clear, and he's trying to explain the simplest of things in explanation, which obviously one of the most difficult things to comprehend spiritually. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7. Jesus says to Nicodemus, now he knows what's going on in Nicodemus. Now, Jesus knows hearts and minds. He doesn't have to hear it. He knows it before it's even said. Matter of fact, he knew Nicodemus' heart before Nicodemus knew his own heart. Because it said before the foundation of the world, Nicodemus was in the mind of Christ. We see that from Ephesians. From the, from the very beginning of days, God knew exactly the heart of Nicodemus, just like he knows your heart and my heart. And here we see that, it, that he says, do not marvel. Nicodemus, don't get stuck. Nicodemus, don't get in a rut to this. It really is interesting that that still happens today. You can explain the spiritual things of God, of Christ, the heavenly things, and people get stuck in the earthly things. And so he's kind of like spinning. He's, he's, he doesn't have any traction yet. It's like he stepped on the, the accelerator and they're pouring gas to that carburetor back in the days when you had carburetors. And that, that old tire spinning, but it hadn't caught. It hadn't got traction yet. He's marveling at what is being told him. And he just can't get beyond the simple explanation that you must be born again. Don't marvel at it. Don't get stuck. Don't, 
don't analyze the spiritual truth so much that you become spiritually paralyzed. Accept it. Simply accept it. The explanation is simple. Accept it very simply. You must be born again. So I've got to join the church. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. So I must be baptized. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. Well, I've got to become a real good person. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. I've got to memorize a certain amount of Scripture. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. I've, be, I've got to become a, 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 a church leader. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. I, I've got to go to church more than I do now. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. I've got to raise my kids better than I'm raising today. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you must be born again. I mean, you can just walk down all the oughts that you think about in your life and just push them away and simply remove them and say, what matters most in the, in the imperative thing is that I'm born again. Now, guess what happens? When you're born again, you want to be baptized. When you're born again, you're going to love the church. When you're born again, you're going to fall head over heels in love with Jesus and all the things that Jesus stands for and all the activities of the Lord. Guess what? You're going to want to read the Bible. Guess what? You're going to want to love other people. Guess what? You're going to want to be obedient because you have a new heart, and that new heart is going to make you want those things. But those things are not to replace or get in front of being born again. And so the most important thing for any of us is be born again. Settle that issue, that issue and watch things come into place. Be born again. I don't care if you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic, Lutheran, uh, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox. It doesn't matter if, if, if you're half flavor of one and of one of another. It doesn't matter. What matters is, have you been born again? You can even be a church of Christ and be born again. Did you know that? Amen. There's a church of Christ right there. We got several scattered out amongst us. I love it. The church of Christ meets here. Not over there where that Baptist church is, but meets here. It doesn't matter if you go to that one that says the church of Christ meets here or that Baptist church. If you're not born again you're not in the body of Christ. That's what matters. That's what Jesus says. That's not Lee's idea. That's not the Pope's idea. That's not Billy Graham's idea. That's not the, the, the guru of any denomination's idea. It's Jesus' words. You must be born again. Don't get stuck on those words. Don't marvel at the beauty of it and not experience it. Just accept it. Be born again. Believe in God. Believe in Him. Believe in what He's made available to you. Verse 8. Now, verse 8 ought to be a great verse. We talked about it last week at the very end. You just, you just got to capture this verse. The wind blows where it wishes. We live where the wind blows don't we? Man, the wind's blowing. I bet it blows today. It's probably going to blow them flags. It's going to blow those trees. Today, most likely this afternoon, you're going to see evidence of the wind blowing. Now, you can marvel at the wind and miss the spiritual lesson that it has. 
Where's that wind coming from? Where does it start? Well, let's go. You know, think about what a way to spend a Sunday afternoon. All right, walk out your front door. Which way is it coming? It's coming from over there. Start taking steps that way. Walk until you find where the wind starts. Right? That's, that's basically what he's saying here. That'll blow your mind. That, that, that'll cause you lots of, uh, of angst today. Because you're going to have to hop a fence, you're going to have to hop a creek, you're going to have to swim a river, you're going to have to walk a long way. And just when you think you get to the place where the wind starts to blow, it's beyond that. And then it's beyond that. And then it's beyond that. That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. You can't explain it, but you can experience it. You may not be able to sit down with someone and explain to them this born-again thing, but you can say, just like the wind is being born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, whoosh, whoosh, right? Coming through the eaves, the trees, the noise of the leaves. Nothing better than being under aspen trees when the wind's blowing. You can hear the little bells in those leaves, those aspen trees. You hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So you've got there's the wind's going this way. Let's see where the wind goes. Well, the wind goes down the frontage road. The wind goes across the interstate. The wind goes all the way to Lake Weatherford. The wind goes past Lake Weatherford. The wind's on its way to Peaster. And you keep on going with the wind. You can try to find where it starts and where it ends, and you'll always be in the middle, not quite understanding what in the world is going on with the wind. So it is with being born again. Now, instead of not celebrating the wind, celebrate the wind. Instead of not saying, I, I can't really celebrate what it means to be born again because I can't understand it. No. Celebrate it. You see evidence of the, of the being born again. New heart, new life, new thoughts. You see evidence of the wind with the leaves that move. Evidence of being born again is the new heart. Evidence of being born again is the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Evidence of being born again is you hear the Lord's words. You hear Him. Jesus says, my sheep will know me, and my sheep will know my voice. You hear him speak. You hear him speak. You hear him speak at night, all is well. You hear him speak, forgive yourself. You hear him speak, forgive that person. You hear him speak, you need to honor the Lord. You hear him speak, you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You're holding back. You hear him speak, you're suppressing love. You hear him speak that, that deep down desire to pray and to have a discipline of prayer and to just be before the Father for, for as long as is necessary to hear what he's got to say to you. Being born again is like the wind. He says, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How do I know that the wind is, is, is like being born again because Jesus said it was. Just like he said, you must be born again. It's like knowing the wind. Look in verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's getting on down to it now, isn't he? 
How can these things be? When you're spinning my mind here, I'm marveling at it. I understand it's a wonderful thought, but how in the world can these things be? Jesus answered him. Are you the teacher of Israel, Jesus says, and yet you do not understand these things? How can you still not connect the dots, Nicodemus? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. You just are stuck in unbelief. You just won't believe, Nicodemus, how, how, how unfortunate it is to have all that spiritual religious standing and not be born again. How horrible it would be to go to church time after time after time and not be born again. Possible? Absolutely. Jesus said it was crystal clearly possible. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, we did all these things to your name. What do you mean we don't know you? And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you, as you weren't born again. You were born socially. You were born physically. You were born religiously, right? You, had, you were uh, culturally uh, repentive, culturally adjusted to the ways of Christianity, but you weren't born again. You could probably say all the right words at the right time. You can probably answer all the Sunday school questions, but not be born again. You see, it's an imperative. You must be born again. And if the Holy Spirit is, is, is speaking to you right now and tugging on your heart that you must be born again, please, by all means, please listen to what the Lord is speaking to you about. You must be born again. You must be born again. He says... I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you the heavenly things? No, no one has accepted into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Now, he shares with Nicodemus now another illustration, an illustration that he should know. An illustration that he should be able to connect the dots. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man be lifted up. Now that's weird. That right there is spooky. So the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole in the wilderness. Everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So let's look at that story in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. Snakes in church today. Snakes in church. What'd y'all do today? We had snakes. I told you they were a cult up there. Numbers 21, verse 4. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. People are people. People get bored with God. People get angsty. You know, they get impatient with waiting in line, get impatient with results, been praying a long time for a different kind of meat and still got to put up with that quail meat out there. 
been wanting some other kind of bread, and I keep on getting this heavenly manna. The people were impatient, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Now, verse 5 is interesting. There's no food and water, but we hate the food that we're getting. <laughs> There's no food and water, but this food we're getting, is, it's rotten. It's horrible. It really wasn't rotten. It was great. It was every morning you get in and get the manna. You had to take what you all, all you could eat for that one day. Don't take more, because there was going to be more tomorrow. That's an amazing miracle. But they were just blown away with, even though God was putting before them manna every single day, enough for the day, they, they were just impatient with God. And they were blaming God, speaking against God and against Moses. So verse 6, The Lord sent fiery serpents, snakes, among the people, and they bit the people. That's what the Bible actually says. It happened. They're out there complaining. Moses, you're no account. And God, you're worthless. If you ever ask me to leave Egypt again, I ain't going. <laughs> if you ever do a miracle again, I ain't coming. Yeah, it's just bizarre, isn't it? You know, I know we, you know, you part of the Red Sea, but that wasn't really that big a deal, was it? The food that we're getting is not good enough for us. We're tired of it. And, and many times, we don't connect the dots. We, we can't look back and go, God did this, God did this, God did this. This is the work of God. God took care of us in this situation, but I'm mad today. But God has been meeting all your needs all down through the years and taking care of you and mending your heart and comforting you and giving you the peace that passes all understanding. You go, yeah, but today's today and I've had enough of God today. You just forget all those things. Failure to connect those dots. The Lord's at work. And so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Ooh, thought I saw something down there. <laughs> then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people of Moses have said, We have sinned. Reckon? I wonder how long it took for that to be connected there. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Wow, this prayer. This prayer, Moses. I wonder if he went, never thought I'd be praying this prayer. Lord, may the snakes quit biting these miserable, impatient, griping people. You know, when he's praying that, probably Moses is going, Lord, keep them, biting them, bite them, people. I'm tired of them, God. I'm tired of these people. All they do is gripe and complain and overlook your blessings. I've had enough of them. You had enough of them, God? Let's wipe them out. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. So we've got a bronze and if you get close up here, you can see uh, the fiery part with the red eyes and all that's going on up there. Make a fiery serpent and sit on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. 
Does it fit the story? Yeah, it does. It really does. We have to go along and see it, though. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So there you are. You're out there in the wilderness. Snakes all over the place. And when a snake bites you, if you look at the snake on the pole, you live. But if your unbelief, if your arrogance, if your pride will allow you to look at what God said to do and look at the snake on the pole, you die. Unbelief, disobedience, and pride probably are the three main killers of not being born again. I mean, how good do you dance? What are you going to do out there, Bubba? I'm going to dance my way through that snake crowd. Are you? Oh, yeah, I got quick feet. I'm going to. Oh, it nearly got me. Oh, it nearly got me. But when one got you, what are you going to do now? Are you going to trust in yourself and not trust in God? Are you going to trust in what makes sense and not trust in what doesn't make sense? I mean, are you really telling us, God, that if we get bit and we're going to come to the snake bite venom, that all we've got to do is look up to what you have for us, a snake on a pole, and we'll live? Do you mean to tell me that all I've got to do is believe in Jesus? All I've got to do is say that Jesus died for me on the cross? All I've got to do is confess that Jesus is Lord and He rose from the grave and I will be saved? You mean to tell me I don't have to work my way? You mean I don't have to overcome all the mistakes I've made? No, you don't. You mean I don't have to be overwhelming, a better Christian than anybody else? No. What do I got to do? Do what God said to do. And what did God say to do out there in the wilderness? Look at the serpent on the pole and you'll live. Be born again. Not be more moral. Not be better educated. Not be more religious. Not go to church more than you did last year. Not force your way to be self-disciplined about things. No, absolutely, to be accepted by Almighty God, be born again. That sin of unbelief, that sin of disobedience, that sin of pride, look up to Jesus. It says that just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so would the Son of Man be lifted up. What are you trusting in? The lifted up Jesus. What are you trusting in for your salvation? Jesus on the cross. What are you trusting in for the forgiveness of your sin? Jesus on the cross. Why do you talk about being born again so much? Because you must be born again. Have you been born again? Has the Holy Spirit tugged on your heart? pierced your heart? Have you surrendered? Have you turned from your ways to take up His cross and follow Him? Have you received a new heart? Have you been born again? Lord, speak to our heart. Father, we pray Your Holy Spirit convict us, show us, 
And Lord, for anyone here today that has not been born again, may they be born again today, right here and now. Lord, may they just agree with you about salvation. May they just agree with you about their sin that separates them from you. May they just agree with you that your way is always best and your way is always right. May they agree, Lord, that you are holy and your justice is always perfect. And may they, Father, just trust in your way of salvation, your way of being saved from the biting of the serpents. Out there in that wilderness, look at what you planned for them. Look what you said that you would do. Look at the serpent on the pole. And for us today, your words, your instructions, be born again. If Jesus is lifted up, he, you would draw all to him. Help us, Lord, today to focus on Jesus. Get, off, get our mind off them snakes on the ground and get them up to the top of that pole because it's your way, and your way is always best and always right. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come for the offer.